Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. Well, here we are. It is the final week of 2020, and I want us to think back on last year, a year ago, this time. And we were getting set for 2020. And at that point, the big deal was all the hindsight is 2020 puns. And and really the debate was whether we were starting a new decade or we were about to finish off the previous one, right? I mean, those were the most most, uh, concerning things when we started to think about 2020 for many of us. But now, as we think about 2020, our great hope is that it's an outlier that it just sits out there somewhere else in comparison to all the other years that we've faced. And it's, it's just very different than what we have out into the future. And uh, as we are wrapping up this year on this last Sunday in 2020, I want to focus on our Sundays in 2020. I want to welcome you again. If we've not yet met, my name is Christian. I'm the lead pastor here in the Grove. And I want to take you back to Saturday, March 14th, 2020. And I was on a a church planting retreat. And uh, at that time, that Saturday, we were making plans for and praying for the possibilities of what God might do this year in the future of the Grove. And then the next day, that next Sunday, we streamed from the Hardeman living room and all kinds of things changed. Now, despite the many challenges that we've we've had, we've continued to gather, continued to worship, and continued to learn. It's not been ideal at many points, but we've done it. We've, we've kept on. And, and so today, again, I want to look back on what we've learned on Sundays this year. You say, well, why? Well, we've already dealt with that. Well, I, I think a couple of reasons. One, we, we all tend to learn things and then move past them. I, I know I'm guilty of this just as much as anybody. I have to preach sermons each week and if I'm not careful, I just skip past all those things. I just do it and then move to the next thing. And it's good for us to slow down and, and really think back on what have we been learning. And, and really it's important because our gatherings aren't simply about inspiration or, or just information. You see, with God's help and in His goodness, these gatherings, this time, this time of listening to a sermon, engaging with God's Word. Uh, This is part of God's work of transformation in our lives. And and so as we look back, we're going to literally look back through the different series of the year, but I want to frame this time by looking at a a passage, a specific, really one verse especially, that has been sort of a North Star for me in understanding what is my responsibility uh, as a leader, as a pastor, um, and what's our responsibility when it comes to the teaching ministry of the church. And so we're going to go back to the beginning of Paul's letter to his protege, Timothy, his first letter to Timothy. And in the, the very beginning of that, he gives Timothy a charge that's, again, meant to frame everything that he's going to tell him in this letter. Here, here's what he says. He says, I urged you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain people not to teach false doctrine or, or to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies. These promote empty speculations rather than God's plan, which operates by faith. Okay. So what, what's happened here 
is he's telling Timothy, make sure your teaching doesn't do certain things. Yeah, I, I want you to stay there in Macedonia or remain in Ephesus because there's some potential for things to go awry. And I want you to stay there and I want you to instruct these people and, and your teaching should accomplish certain things. Okay? Uh, it, it shouldn't do some things, but there are some things that it absolutely should do. See, instruction in the gospel, which he describes here as God's plan, it should have a different goal than what some of these false teachers, these people that were stirring things up there in Ephesus were all about. Okay? And so he goes on in verse 5, he says, Now the goal of our instruction is love. Love that comes from, our, our, from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Okay. So he says, here's what our instruction should produce. This is the goal. This is what we're setting out to do is, is love. And that love comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. The ESV Study Bible really helpfully summarizes this. Okay? And it says it like this, that what Paul is saying here to Timothy is that love must come from internal, spirit-worked changes that have produced a pure heart rather than one filled with sinful desires. Uh, it should come from a good conscience, rather than one laden with guilt. And that love should come from a sincere faith, rather than pretense and hypocrisy. Okay, so a pure heart, right? That, that's different than a divided heart, a, a heart that, that doesn't really want the things of God. Now we all, uh, still until we meet Jesus again, we all have a, a certain way in which our hearts are still pulled towards things that we shouldn't uh, want. But if God lives in us, if the Spirit of God is working in us, then He's given us a heart, a new heart, that actually does want the things of God, that is moving in the direction of God's ways. And that pure heart also then gives way to a good conscience, which is to say a conscience that is joyful, happy, upright, it's in opposition to a burdened conscience, one that, that is weighed down by regret and guilt. And then also, the, the work of God in our lives produces sincere faith. It's an unhypocritical faith. It, it's the opposite of a two-faced kind of faith, the kind of faith that is all about either performing or pretending. That's not the kind of faith that God has given us, one that, where we still have to perform for Him in order to make Him love us, or we have to pretend in order to get by. Instead, we have a real faith, a sincere faith. And, and as that kind of work, that work of a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith works in us, the result is love. And so as we teach, as we come together to learn on Sundays, we're, we're really, that's what we're seeking. is not, again, just inspiration to feel good for a next few hours or for a next few days. Not just information that will make us get puffed up and think, oh, I know some really good spiritual, religious, Christian things. But instead, it's meant to move us in love, love for God and love for others. And so with that kind of, uh, with that goal in mind, right, the goal that the gospel, the, the glory of the blessed God, that that, that good news about him um, would shape us. With that in mind, I want us to look back at what we've learned uh, over the past year, right? How have we set out to grow in this kind of pure, good, and sincerely faithful love? And so I want to walk us back. We're going to go back to January. And when we got started in January, we started with a sermon series called Dear Future Self. Okay, this was a series about 
habits and self-control. And, and what we said in this series throughout those four weeks or so of that series is that uh, we can love God and others through the spirit-powered development of self-control. And, and one of the key ideas of that series is with, with, it, with this in mind that the spirit is what produces self-control. We said that your future self is the result of how you control your present self, right? The, the kinds of things I do today impact who I become tomorrow. So we, we were talking about this idea of my future self and, and how God wants us to learn self-control today and the, the impact that will have for tomorrow. And we said that self-control really requires surrendering control because once again, this is something that the Spirit of God produces in us. And we went on, and, and as we studied self-control in the Bible, we realized that it involves being really four things in particular, being sober, uh, just really uh, aware of what's going on, being able to, to see things rightly, being restrained. It means keeping back from certain things. It means being balanced, not getting our perspective out of whack or, or making the wrong things uh, big things or little things uh, seem really big or really important things, minimizing those. And we said that self-control also involves being mastered. It means that there, there are these really important things that God wants to do in us. And he says, I want you to be mastered by a few key important ideas in terms of what he cares about. And to that end, then, we said that self-control involves both resisting and embracing. We, we are called to resist certain pulls and also embrace certain things, embrace what is excellent and praiseworthy, what is really, truly good. And so as we seek to cultivate self-control through the help of God in us, uh, we are both resisting and embracing certain things. And, and so then, as we are being shaped into this kind of person, we're reminded, again, that that helps us to love others. It, 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 as we develop in self-control, we are becoming, in the words of Sir Alec Peterson, or Patterson, masters of ourselves, that we may be servants of others. And so self-control was really meant to help us learn how to serve others better. It's intended to do that. So we did Dear Future Self, and that took us through the month of January. And then as the calendar ticked on, we went to February, and then all the way through April with this series, In the Fire. And in the fire, we went through a, uh, the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel showed us that we love God and others as we recognize that we are exiles. It was this reminder that as Christ followers, we are exiles. We're made for something more. This world as it is, is not all there is. And so in the meantime, we journey. We, we journey in this world. And we have to learn, as we saw in the life of Daniel and his friends as they were uh, exiled in Babylon, we see that we have to learn to walk this line between compromising with the world and then outright rebelling or rejecting the hope that those that are far from God can be redeemed, right? That, that's the, the two poles. One is to compromise and, and make it out to be uh, this idea that really we don't have to live any different if we follow God in his ways. That's one pole. But the other pole is to just reject those people who don't walk in God's ways in such a, a way that then it looks like redemption is really not possible for people who are far from God. Instead, we walk the line between those two things, between compromise and that kind of rebellion. And really, if you look at the book of Daniel, there's all kinds of things going on there. We said, though, the big idea of the book is found in Daniel 5.21. And there we learn emphatically through the transformation of Nebuchadnezzar 
that the Most High God is ruler over human kingdoms, and He sets anyone He wants over them. The book of Daniel was this book about God's providence, about the fact that He really is the one who rules over all things. That as time ticks on, as events happen in our world, we can trust that God's really got things under control, that He is doing things. We may not understand all the, the decisions, all the things that end up going on, but God's got it. He's got it under control. And so from the book of Daniel and learning how to be exiles, they, we then moved in, in the month of April uh, and into May into a, another series called How to Make a Bad Decision. And here we, we did an autopsy of sorts on five famously bad decisions. And we did that in order to learn to love God and others by avoiding these errors in, in bad decision making. We said the five errors were this, or the, the six errors were these, thinking short term, refusing wise counsel, giving in to people pressure, ditching discernment, factoring God out, and then making yourself vulnerable. That when we do those things, we're setting ourselves up uh, for bad decisions. Instead, as we went through that series, we said that we should want to make decisions that are highlighted by the opposites. Instead, we want to make decisions highlighted by walking with the wise and, and, and highlighted by learning to take a sip of a situation. Maybe you remember that acronym. To take a sip of a situation is to see the situation, identify what kind of situation is this, and then project what will come of the different options, of the different decisions that I could make in that situation, given the kind of situation that it is, what do I project will take place. So to grow in discernment is to learn to take a sip of a situation. As we continued on through that series, we said that instead of being vile or vengeful, when bad things happen, when, when we're tempted to, to kind of go off the rails. Instead, we can make good decisions. We can make good decisions that promote peace, that provide protection for others, and that powerfully impact people. And so as you and I face decision points, we also remember that sin is not inevitable. Yes, we are subject to sin. We, we're not, again, on this side of heaven. We're not going to be perfectly sinless. But as we find ourselves in particular situations, we have to also recognize we don't have to take the path that leads us into destruction. Jesus moves us and helps us, empowers us to travel a different path. And so we're reminded that we can make good decisions. After we finished that series, How to Make a Bad Decision, we moved into this series, Pentecost. And we looked at the gift of the Holy Spirit. This was a a series that started on Pentecost Sunday, where we celebrate the birthday of the church. And what we said here is that God's love goes with us. Again, in the Holy Spirit, God's love is, is in us. It's transforming us and empowering us from within. And so what we learned is these, these four things about the Spirit of God. That one, He is a gift. He is a gift who gives us Himself to make a Spirit-filled church, a Spirit-filled people, that individually as we walk in the Spirit, He wants us to collectively uh, be identified by the fact that He is working among us. We also said that not only is He a gift, but He's a conductor. He conducts us in harmony. He, he wants to see us moving forward in unity to, to really care for one another. Um, but He also guides us to truth. And so it's a reminder that, that unity for unity's sake is not enough. 
the Holy Spirit is guiding us into the truth. He's that kind of conductor who guides us towards what is good and right, what God thinks is, is good. And he's also a defender. Holy Spirit is a defender who defends us when we're persecuted and weak and helps us defend others. So we saw that that's part of our role together as a people is to defend others um, and, and trust that when we find ourselves in difficult situation, situations, the Holy Spirit is defending us as well. And then finally, we're reminded that the Spirit is the comforter. He comforts us as we remember His presence, as we exercise our gifts and pass on His comfort to others. From there, after we worked through the series in Pentecost, we took another turn looking into the future with this series Tomorrowland, right? borrowing from uh, the, the Disney creation Tomorrowland. And, and what we were looking at there really was hope. And we said that love overflows out of hope. You see, we can face the future without fear because our hope for tomorrow shapes our living for today. Again, it harkened back to what we said at the very beginning of the year, that what we do today has an impact on our tomorrow. But more specifically, when we think about our hope, our hope changes the way we face the future. And as we were looking out at a, what had become an increasingly uncertain future, this was really important for us to, to be anchored back into what is our hope. And so we were reminded through that series that our hope is one, genuine. It, it's intended to glow, to, to be evident to others. And it's intended to grow as we walk with God. And then we're reminded that our hope is triumphant. That our win, as we go about doing ministry, as we go about existing as God's people, our ultimate win is pleasing God. That's what we really care about. That's our, our triumph. And we said that also we need to be alert with our hope. And we're, we're to stay ready and aware that Jesus could come back any time. I should remind us that this series, Tomorrowland, was, uh, we traveled through the books of First and Second Thessalonians and seeing specifically how this, we could look into the future with this kind of alert hope, aware that Jesus was going to come back. That, that, that is our great hope. And it's an enduring hope. And so we're supposed to invest wisely with the hope we've received, to, to realize that the hope we have is eternal. So what can we do now that has an impact for eternity? And then also recognize that our hope is an accurate hope. We said that and, and saw that there is mystery in our hope. We, we don't know all of how things are going to go down as far as timelines and dates. But what we're supposed to really do is make sure that we stand firm on faith facts, the things that God has made super clear to us, rather than standing on speculation. Our, our hope is meant to be accurate where God has given us clear facts. And then we said that this is to be a diligent hope, that just as God is diligent to stick by us, we are diligent to continue the mission and in our commitment to one another. We're to stick that out, to stick together and be diligent to see the mission move forward. From there, we moved into August and we talked a little bit more specifically about our mission in terms of what does that mission look like right in our neighborhoods. We did this series called Staycation. And, and there we saw that love means viewing life's interruptions as opportunities, just like Jesus did. And, and so we, we saw that in Jesus' life, people were welcome interruptions. And so we also, as we follow Jesus, we can welcome interruptions into our life, just like Jesus does. And then we said that part of then doing that 
is to bless others on purpose, to, to really be intentional about how we bless others. We, we look specifically at kids, and we said that kids are not just part of the kingdom of God, but, but the way God works in, in childlike faith is meant to be a pattern for us to follow. And we have a, an obligation to help our kids understand the importance of God's kingdom, to bless them intentionally. And then we looked at limiting limits. We said that we are limited. We're limited in our resources and our, our, the things we can accomplish just individually. And so that means that sometimes we have to step away. We need rest. We need time with the Lord to empower our ministry. But it also means that as he calls us forward, there's times that we're called to step up, to step beyond our comfort zone. And remember that, that this flows from God's unlimited generosity, that we can be generous with others because God is unlimited in his generosity. And then finally, we said that we need to make moments mean more. If we follow Jesus, his mission will find us right where we are. And so how do we, when the opportunities come, how do we move those opportunities beyond just the obvious? How do we take just a, an average normal conversation and leverage it for the sake of the gospel to begin to point people to Jesus? Maybe in very subtle ways, but still to point them to the fact that we have a hope, just like we've been talking about all year, that goes far beyond our circumstances and the, the difficulties that we're facing in the day to day. We made our way into fall, and in September, we did a series called Asking for a Friend, understanding that very often we come across people who have questions. And we said this, that Christianity is reasonable, and it's reasonable to question it. But the, the great fact is that God loves us enough to address our questions. And so we can try to do the same for others. And so we looked at some key questions. We said one question that people might ask is, aren't we better off without religion? And the answer is that Christianity has benefited this world in untold ways. But we also recognize as his followers that Jesus is never going to stop leading us beyond what's reasonable. Right? As we follow him, uh, as, as his followers, we're going to be called into uncomfortable situations, just like we looked at again back in that staycation series. Second question was, how can you take the Bible literally? Now, we said that we take the Bible seriously because of the evidence. But we take the Bible literarily, literally. In other words, we read it in its context. We read it according to the kind of literature that it is in, in each individual book. But we do that because it all points to Jesus. There's this incredible coherence, this cohesiveness to the Bible. It's all one unified story that's intended to reveal to us who God is. It's God speaking to us, and it all points us to Jesus. The third question was, Hasn't science disproved Christianity? And we looked and we realized that the Bible tells us this is God's world, so it should be stewarded. We have a responsibility with this world. We can't treat it like it really doesn't matter. Um, and, and we also recognize that because this world is not God, because God and what he creates are different, we can study it. So science is a good thing. In fact, science, modern science, finds its foundations in, in a Christian worldview, right? Because God created something, and he's separate from it, so, he can, so it allows for us to study the world that he's created. And we said that ultimately the best study of this world opens our eyes to the reality of redemption. The, the world, God's creation, is meant to point us to him. It's to declare the glory of God. And so science is not anti-Christian, and Christians shouldn't be anti-science, because science actually is a gift from God. 
when handled rightly. And finally, the last question was, doesn't the Bible condone slavery? And we said that Christianity undermines slavery, absolutely. But it does it in a way that is contrary to expectation. It's a subversive kind of undermining. And, and then we said that our lives as Christ followers should be marked by freedom and point the way to the one who secured it. And it was a great series of, of good questions that really can be helpful for us as we wrestle with the realities of our faith. And then the largest part of our fall was spent going back to the basics with a series called the Gospel Primer. We went back to these basics to grow in what we called gospel fluency, the ability to see, speak, live, and enjoy the gospel in every area of life. And so we looked at a number of things in terms of what is the gospel and, and how, what is the story of God and what, how does our story show God to be the hero. We learned how to listen with gospel intentionality, to, to learn to listen to God's questions and also learn to ask questions of others. We saw four eternal truths that God is great and glorious, good and gracious, and how those truths shape the way we operate in this world, how we think about our own trials and, and setbacks as well as our, our victories. And, and then we learned to look uh, at the, the gospel through two lenses. One, that the power of the gospel is salvation, but then the purpose of the gospel is restoration. And then finally we wrapped up looking at our gospel identity, that God forms us into a family of missionary servants. It was a good reminder of a lot of what we talked about in that Pentecost series. And then we saw these gospel rhythms, that the gospel isn't one more thing to add to our lives, but it's the one thing that can transform every part of our lives. And then finally, here we are, we've been in December, we wrapped up the year looking at the Christmas timeline. And we saw that God's, God's loving wisdom is displayed in the way he does things in history. And that's what Christmas shows us, that hope happens in history. It happens in the hassle and it grows in our habits. We saw that peace brings wholeness that is a guardian and a ruler in our lives. That joy is found in a savior, not in ourself or our circumstances. And that the love of God shows up again in his timing. He will do what's needed. He will do what he's promised. And he will make up for whatever has been lost as we follow him. And so we can love as we have been loved. We're called to this kind of love that again comes from a sincere uh, faith, a good conscience and a pure heart. It's that kind of love. And so I, I, I want to remind us, 1 John 4, 9 through 11, that we're told that just as God has loved us, so we also are to love one another. That's the kind of love we're called to, which, which brings us for, full circle, right? That's what we've been setting out to do this year a and every year. Because the aim of our charge, the aim of my charge, the aim of our teaching is that we will grow in, the, in being the kind of people who really do love as we ourselves have been loved by God. And so as we wrap up, I want to give you some, some steps. And, and the steps are in the form of some questions. You have them there. If you, you have the listening guide, which you can access uh, on the website, uh, these are questions to ask yourself as you wrap up 2020. And I want to encourage you to, to take a quiet time before the, the year is out, or maybe at the very beginning, whenever you've got the time, take 10, 15 minutes and work through these questions. Maybe it'll take you longer, but, but set a timer, give yourself some time, and think through these four questions. The first one, and these relate back to what we looked at in 1 Timothy 1.5. And so ask, where am I having a hard time trusting 
that God and his desires are best for me. Right? If I have a pure heart, a pure heart understands that God and his desires are what are really best. So where am I having a hard time trusting that God and his desires are best for me? And the second question, what is getting in the way of living joyfully? Right? A, a, a good conscience, a good conscience, a clean conscience should allow us to have joy. We shouldn't be weighed down by some kind of guilt or regret. So ask yourself, am I weighed down in some way? Is there something getting in the way of me moving forward with the Lord because of guilt or regret? Take some time and really think about that. And, and obviously in all these questions, ask the Lord to help you understand the answers to these questions. And the third thing here is think about this statement. My actions don't match my beliefs. You think about that statement and ask yourself, what is the first thing that comes to mind when I consider that statement for myself? Right? Not, not, don't try to think of every single way where things might not match up. But what's the first thing that, that strikes you? Maybe that's what God is calling you to address with him. He wants to lead you forward in, in victory. He wants to lead you forward in, in growing, in, in walking in his ways. So I would encourage you to consider that. And then finally, as we think about the, the kind of love that comes out of a sincere faith and a good conscience and a pure heart. Reflect on 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Take some time and read through that slowly. It's a pretty famous passage there, but slow read through that. And ask yourself, how does my love for others need a tune-up? And ask God to help you in whatever things he reveals as you do that. I want to thank you for the ways in which we've all pulled together this year, the ways in which we've been learning. And I want to exhort us all to continue to grow in this kind of love for one another and love for God as we make our way into 2021. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for the gift of 2020. We recognize that it has been difficult on so many levels, and yet you have been good and you've been faithful. And even when things haven't happened the way we would have liked to see them happen in, in many ways, we can trust that your plan is best. We can trust that as things move forward, ultimately good will come to the, your people as we trust you. So help us. Help us to grow as a, a people who love out of a pure heart, and a good conscience, and a sincere faith. We need you, Lord. We thank you for the ways in which you have instructed us this year. And we ask for your help as we make our way into a new year. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us. And join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day.